0: Hello, hello! You are listening to a pastor in this newspaper with Dr. Castro a podcast, helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's great to be with you. it's been a few weeks uh, since I've been since we've had an episode, but uh, looking forward to um, talking about what's going on in the news right now. Uh, so I'm trying to think about some things to catch you up on. Uh, not much going on uh, in the in the world, really, in regards to things that I typically. Talk about here in regards to sports or in, I think in the kind of after Easter, getting into May, things kind of just kind of slow down uh, as we get into getting close to into summer. I know our kids are going to be out of school very soon and I know people are excited about that and some opportunities to spend time with family and go on vacations and go to places that. We enjoy going every year. Family right now is planning on maybe putting a trip together to go to Destin, Florida, where a lot of people in this area of the country go. So uh, looking forward to maybe going to do that. And um, looking forward to for more time of reading. Um, we'll have some uh, books that I'd like to, to get, catch up on that I kind of had on my list. Um, actually started reading The Institute by John Calvin. I've never read all the way through, so I'm going to try to finish that this summer. And just finished reading the Bible in 90 days. So that was pretty exciting. Me and my wife did it with a group here at our church here at Central. And that was a lot of reading, but it was a lot of fun just to be able to read uh, through large uh, sections of the Bible very quickly. So uh, if you want a challenge either for the summer or maybe even for next year, maybe uh, push you towards thinking about reading the Bible in 90 days, it can be done. Uh, i would say of, of the two of reading it 90 days reading it in a year i do definitely prefer 90 days i think the year just kind of this is too long it kind of drags on and i think you can get through a lot more uh more of the bible and actually get more out of it if you read a little bit quicker so put that one kind of on your on your radar that be something you can look to doing in the future but uh let me know what books you plan on reading this summer i'd love to kind of put together a summer uh, book uh, summer reading list and um, as, as people go to the beach as they spend some more time um, just some more free time in the summer maybe around the pool reading some books uh, yeah, email me at mcastro at com. would love to kind of hear what books you have on your on your reading list this summer maybe there's some books that you can persuade me to read and I'll put some together as well and, uh, yeah, definitely uh, always enjoy some time of reading in the summer. So uh, today we are going to talk about, I, I, you know, with the King Charles or uh, King Charles III, I guess is what he is now, uh, his coronation this weekend. I actually didn't watch it. I didn't wake up to watch it, but I uh, would love maybe to talk about King uh, Charles and how that affects England. Maybe in the coming, maybe in the coming weeks um, and maybe we'll kind of get into looking at the impacts of that. Uh, I do have some opinions on that. I do think it will have a significant impact on the Monarch going forward. And so uh, maybe we kind of put a pin on that and talk about that in the coming weeks. Um, I definitely want to talk about video games. Um, I know that is, is something I, r- I read recently and just how that's impacting um, in the entertainment industry and uh, Disney especially. And so um, may try to get into that topic this month. Um, but, um, so yeah, uh, but I want to talk about kind of a, a touchy subject. Um, it's very much in our culture right now and, um, it's transgenderism and gender dysphoria is an issue that was in the, uh, Economist recently, uh, treating gender dysphoria in kits and kits. If you didn't know that this was a thing, it very much is a thing. Um, and, uh, this is just... Right now, there's the speed of this identity politics. You know, we during the President Obama's administration, of course, we had the legalization of of gay marriage, uh, which there was a lot of like kind of a fairly long build up towards towards that moment in our culture, and um, you know, the gay community. It was somewhat touched on in, in different different. Uh, cultural moments. I remember as a kid, Will Grill and Grace, the TV show, uh, was kind of one of those, Those I think, one of those shows that really kind of, in some ways, normalized the kind of homosexuals. Um, another was The, the Birdcage, the movie Birdcage with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams playing uh, two gay men. Um, and so, there's always, I, I, I think Martin Short's character in The Father of the Bride was... Was a was a gay character? I don't know if he was ever affirmed as such, but he definitely was, you know, kind of in some ways. I think he could have made that interpretation. But there has been throughout, and there's been cultural, you know, norms with with homosexuals that have kind of slowly grown to. It wasn't a major surprise when that was legalized in the United States, and was a kind of a big political issue. But the transgender um, point has quickly came upon us on the heels of of gay marriage. Maybe that should have been expected because if you open the door to that, then other things kind of maybe are more um, normalized as well. But there really wasn't a lot of opportunities, especially with cultural moments, where it was normalized within either television shows or movies with transgenders. I just can't think of anything in particular where, uh, I, I guess, like, Caitlyn Jenner. And uh, so Bruce Jenner, when he, he uh, decided to be Caitlyn Jenner, that was, a, there that was kind of the moment um, that was kind of that broke the dam with uh, transgender rights and um, kind of that being pushed upon the, the political conversation. Um, and, and so this was, you know, so we, we kind of think about this in America and really America has been, I would say, as I've been reading on, on this topic, is far more liberal on this issue than actually Europe. And that was interesting, especially when it comes to children. And and, and I think what's, which what's, what's, what's happening and th- this article has really helped to, to crystallize this point is, I want to get this correct, but. Uh, it's difficult to separate the science from the politics was a point that this article was made. And you know that's in the United States, we have really have shown that you can't really separate debates and scientific reasoning from the political view. Uh, I, I, reading some books and, and on these particular issues and how different politics are in Europe, to how politics are different in the United States, the, Politics really much affects so much of our um, our conversations and views on certain topics. It's as if political views come forth, come come come, have a priority over scientific reasoning and scientific study. Where Europe seems like it has to be the other way around, where scientific study it takes pri- primary position and the political view comes second. Um, so much so that, you know, different states in the United States who have who have tried to pass laws um, banning gender-affirming affirming care in children. President Joe Biden, who, let's just be honest, isn't the most liberal Democratic president we've had, but yet he calls those laws close to sinful. I, I wonder, again, I, I think Joe Biden, if you were to ask him, you know, prior to running for president or even prior to being vice president – I think he would have probably agreed with those the attempts by these states to pass these laws. But the way, again, how political tribes have, have, have developed and morphed to taking priority over reasoning and logical thought is frightening. It really is frightening. And um, so just to kind of give you some, some definitions, um, after I kind of presented this, this kind of introduction, but gender dysphoria is, is an intense discomfort with your biological sex. So if you are born a male and you have this intense discomfort with being male that you desire, and you, want to, you desire to be a female, as if you're kind of a female kind of trapped in a male body and vice versa Uh, you know a a a woman or a female that has gender dysphoria is a male um, trapped in a female body so there's this intense discomfort with gender dysphoria and just to kind of present the the numbers in 2021 there was 42,000 new diagnoses of gender dysphoria that's three times the count in 2017 and a lot of these Diagnosis are children and teenagers. Um, and, and why this is such a significant issue is, is the treatment of gender dysphoria. Um, and the treatment uh, strategy comes from the Netherlands from 20 years ago. And it, uh, they, the goal of this, of gender, let me get the terminology correct, um, gender-affirming care so gender-affirming care, is to, uh, the goal of of this is to alter the patient's body to more closely match their sense of cross-sex identity and thereby relieve their mental anguish. So the goal is to align the patient's body with the way that they think about themselves. So if they think that they are a male trapped in a female body, then the ger- gender-affirming care will, in some ways, bring the female out from that trapped prison. Or, again, vice versa. If it's a if it's a male, if the male trapped in a female body, it would bring out the male. Uh, therefore, they will have male features. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about what those would look like. Uh, if you're a female trapped in a male body, that you, the female features would be more pronounced coming out um, and kind of gaining freedom from that, that, that prison of a, of a male body. So that, I think that language is helpful in understanding that people are viewing themselves in a prison, that they're stuck in a biological prison or a sex prism, and these gender-affirming care will then free them from these prisons. And uh, so these treatments are life-changing, right? They're life-changing and could potentially lead to infertility. So if you want to detransition, so if you were a male and then you were you transitioned to a female, but then you want to go back to being a male, that transition is life-changing and lead to you, know, you can't have children. So if you, you know, were a male, became a female, and then went back to being a male, and then try to have a, maybe got married or tried to have a child... With a female, you wouldn't be wouldn't be fertile. Uh, so again, these are life changing decisions. Um, so some of the so let me provide kind of the three pillars of of and this comes from the Netherlands. Um, Gender affirming care it starts off with um, uh, puberty puberty blockers, which are suspending unwanted sexual development. Um, and Some way it gives the person time to figure out what they want to do and if they want to f- go further in this transition. So that's a puberty blockers, puberty blockers. So it you know, it, it kind of slows down um, sexual growth and development. Uh, so if you were a male and you were to get puberty blockers, you would less, less muscle growth. Maybe you wouldn't uh, develop that kind of masculine voice. Um, other areas that you would probably not be growing in physically. Same with females, you would be delaying maybe breasts being developed and, and other uh, other developments um, as a female. Well, if you tr- decide to go the next step, this is the second pillar in gender-affirming care. It's cross-sex hormones. Uh, males will see the development of, of breasts. Uh, f- uh, those who... Um, uh, who are female, who are, are doing this cross-sex hormones, if we're becoming more male, uh, You have me- muscle growth, uh, deepening your voice. Um, you'll see an altering of bone structure of the face, um, and you would see, uh, you would altering bone structure, and you would see growth of facial hair. And so this is cross-sex hormones. So taking hormones to, until um, so you'll start, see kind of a development From a, you know, if you're a male transitioning to a female, you're transgender to a female, you'll start to see kind of female traits uh, being presented in your body. Uh, The third pillar is surgery. Um, This is where you kind of, the transition is in some ways um, further developed where you see artificial breast implants for for males transitioning to females. If you're a female transitioning to a male, you have a stimulated uh, penis built from a tube of skin harvested from the forearm of the thigh. Um, males who are transitioning to females would have artificial vaginas made and a, a penal inversion. Um, so these are, these are rare with children and teens, but they're more common with adults and these transgender, uh, more, you know, having more developed transitions, or I guess a better way to say it is more, tr- more developed, gender-affirming care. Um, and so these are the three pillars up, uh, uh, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and then surgery. And so one of the, tr- the controversies uh, with this, and let me, let, me, let me just restate the goal. The goal is to, is to alter the patient's body to more closely match their sense of cross- Sex identity and thereby relieve their mental anguish. Okay, so th- this is kind of giving you some some details of how gender affirming care goes. Um, and females that who transition to males will have most likely will have a double mastectomy is removing the breast. Um, and this is just kind of again the, the altering of the body in very, very significant ways. I mean, surgery and you have hormones being offered. And So in America, the way that this, this happens is if you are a, a child or a teenager and you were to go and you were to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria, meaning you communicate to someone that you have intense discomfort with your biological sex – you are a boy. You're a male, and you'd rather you want to be a female. You are a female trapped in a male body. Uh, what the studies show is that poverty—I mean, uh, not puberty blockers—are pretty pretty much quickly administered. Um, there is no requirement for for extended therapy or talk therapy in any way you are kind of quickly moved into the first pillar in your ger- gender affirming care process. And the way that doctors and therapists see this is they feel that it's their duty to al- alleviate patient's mental anguish. So th- they they believe that this person is dealing with gender dysphoria, they quickly move to al- alleviating that that mental anguish by giving them puberty blockers, which in, in their view, it just gives them time to decide if, um, if they truly want to transition from their current gender to a to the gender of their choosing. Well, the Europeans, interestingly enough, I, and I, when I mention the Europeans, I'm mentioning Britain, uh, Finland, Sweden, and oh, there's one more country, and I'm drawing them up, sorry, uh, France and Norway. So Britain, Finland, France, Norway, and Sweden disagree with how American doctors are are treating children and teens with gender dysphoria. They they believe that the first step should not be uh, puberty blockers, but instead should be talk therapy. Um They believe that uh, uh, puberty blockers should be experimental, um, it should be seldom given, and that talking therapy should be the first step in doing gender-affirming care with those who have gender dysphoria Um, and be very hesitant toward pharmaceuticals or surgical elements of that treatment. Um, And actually studies that Britain and and Finland and Sweden and other countries have, have done have backed up this this view that it is far it it, it is disturbing and wrong to quickly move to puberty blockers or cross sex hormones in and in treating children or teens with gender dysphobia. Um and again I, I I think again, this is where the politics comes in, where you uh, doctors in the United States or therapists in the United States in this process are quickly identified as transphobic if they were to come out and say that is not good for children and teens to be quickly given puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones uh, before there is a extended amount of talk therapy. And counseling for children and teens who, to be honest, are you know could be dealing with depression, could be dealing with with other issues, and their their reasoning through this these struggles is that maybe they're in, maybe they're they're a male so stuck and trapped in a female body. Maybe that's what's wrong with them. And so doctors and therapists quickly, um, you know, giving a a pathway to changing or transitioning out of their gender to children and teens who are – and to be honest, I mean, we already know that the human brain does is still developing up to the age of 25. So a 12-year-old who thinks that they're a male stuck in a female body at 12-year-old and an adult saying, okay, we'll give you pu- uh, puberty blockers to this, see if this helps uh, suspend your unwanted sex, uh, sex uh, sexual development is – is ludicrous. It is ridiculous. And the Europeans are basically saying, it is ridiculous. It is ludicrous. It is bad care for children. And actually, they've done some research and studies and found that puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones have had very little results of alleviating gender dysphoria or improving mental health in children or teens. So, quickly moving to these transitional these uh, pillars, And there really hasn't been any studies to back it up, but they even help with their dysphoria or their mental health. And again, like I said on the front end, these decisions, this process of transitioning from one gender to another, from one sex to another, and we can talk about the importance of, and we're going to talk about this on the back end, philosophically, but these are life-changing operations, Cross-sex hormones. Let me read them again. What cross-sex hormones do? Males will see the development of breasts. Think about a 13-year-old boy who thinks they have gender dysphoria. And some doctor starts giving them hormones. And they start to develop breasts. And they start going to, they go to their middle school. Is that how we're treating children? Is that how we're caring for children? I mean, studies show that doesn't even help. And so you're you're making these life-altering, you're giving these life-altering advices and and counsel to minors that ch- changes their body. And we already see that the, the this the study shows that it's kind of all over the place, but. Up to maybe thirty percent of those who have taken cross sex hormones regret their decision. Thirty percent. Thirty percent. And again, they believe it's their duty to alleviate parents' mental I mean patients' mental anguish. But the studies show that this doesn't even actually help their alleviate their mental anguish. So maybe we need to give children. In teens, counseling and therapy, and ask them questions and talk to them before any doctor recommends anything like this. And it, most of these European countries that I mentioned, you you can't have, you can't be given cross-sex hormones until you're eighteen. Especially, definitely not surgery until you're after you're eighteen, because that's when you become an adult. That's when you become no longer a minor. Um, And we're going to get into some of the more philosophical issues, but just looking more at some of these, more of this data. Um, So um, those are some of the the studies that uh, are just to kind of understand uh, gender dysphoria and gender affirming care. Um, And so I want to, you know, I want to kind of bring this back to um, kind of where we are as a society, um, where you are quickly, even if you pr- provide thorough or scientific data, that you're quickly labeled a transphobia or transphobic, that you are a, a transphobic, you're a bigot, uh, because you're not um, uh, affirming uh, people's decisions. Now, we're talking about children. And teens. It's not like we're talking about adults. We're talking about uh, children and teens. And a society that doesn't look to protect children and teens from them from them making harmful decisions is a society that has no foundation whatsoever. Um, you know, the reason why we 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 have certain laws, the reason why we have certain parameters and protections for children and teens is because their brains are still developing. They're unable to protect themselves in a lot of scenarios. We put gates up for our children when they're young so they don't fall down the stairs and break, break their neck or break a bone in their body. The reason why we have a gate around our pool is because tr- kids drown in pools because they don't know how to swim. And so we protect them from death. That is our responsibility as, a, as parents. Um, we don't let them eat whatever they want because it's not good for their development. Um, we we put parameters in in place so that our children will to be will be able to develop in a safe environment. Um, and the day that we don't, as adults, protect children, yes, they are dealing with what they're struggling. They are yeah, forty two thousand new diagnosis with gender dysphoria. I, I think. One of the issues with this diagnosis is that it's so much in our society now. The, the the those who are the heroes in our society are those who become transgendered, those who are transitioning, those who they we, we see them as heroes. People celebrate them as courageous, um, and so children and teens who are obviously wanting to be seen in a positive light will think about oh maybe I'm the wrong gender maybe to me for me to have happiness is a, as a tr- I need to go through this transition. And so I think we we, we, we want to talk about this from a philosophical standpoint. Number 1 is that God created the male and female. God does not make mistakes. God is never in error. There is no such thing as a as a creation of a male or female that God made an error with. Um, I think in a lot of ways in our in our culture, we have identified um, males and females by ungodly factors. Uh, a male is not someone who wears cowboy boots, right? Uh, a male is not someone who likes sports. There are plenty of men who do not like sports that God created to be men. And there are characteristics that they have as men that we want to celebrate, um, we, we think about males and females from a preference standpoint. You know, I am someone who likes I like art, I like poetry, uh, I like fashion. Most of those things are female I like clean, things that are clean. I like cooking. People can say based off those preferences that I must be more fi- I must be someone who would be a female. But I also like sports. <coughs> but there are plenty of, of females who like sports. Um, there's plenty of females that like hunting and, and fishing and the outdoors. There's nothing – doing. lively in the outdoors does not make you a male. And the order does fashion, therefore, make you a female. Now, diff- these different genders, from a general standpoint or from a status quo standpoint, more often than not, typically favor one of these things, right? Girls – more favorite dolls than boys, more favorite toy, uh, trucks and these type of things. This is kind of a common thing. We This is a stereotype. This is a, it's not something that is always true. There's exceptions to the rule. But those things don't make you male and female. God created them male and female. We know that scientifically, that there's two sexes, male and female. There are not 50 million sexes. There are two sex, male and female. You are created in this world. You come through your mother's womb Either as a male or as a female, and your struggle with that identity um, is an is a um, is, there isn't it, is, it is an identity crisis. But you will never find your you never you ever understand your true identity until you build your identity from an understanding of God that God is your creator. He is your Lord. He's placed you on this earth. He's given breath in your lungs to worship him and to serve him and to glorify him. And you to live according to his word. And the Bible says that you are a sinner and need to receive grace from God to be repented to be uh, to be forgiven to be saved through his son Jesus Christ to be to be reidentified as a child of God that is the that is the, the foundation uh, to your to a to a good and proper identity as one who is rooted themselves in their creator and if you don't do that if you're not if you're not rooting yourself in God you will struggle to find your identity, because you're running away from your the essential nature of who you are, which is that you are a creature of God. And for many of these who struggle with gender dysphoria, they're struggling with an identity crisis. And becoming, transitioning from a male to a female thinking you're a male... St- trapped in a female body, will not give you what you think you will receive. That's why many of people are transitioning back out of it, because it's not giving what they were promised. It doesn't solve all their problems. It doesn't solve their mental health. It doesn't solve their their joylessness. It doesn't solve their hopelessness. It doesn't solve their, their, their lack of purpose in their life because they are not rooted in God through Christ Jesus. They don't follow his word. And so by not not acknowledging God and not worshiping him, there is identity crisis that you have. And this is one of the forms of identity crisis is gender dysphoria. There are different identity crises that people experience. There are plenty of people who are, who are male and they do not believe that they are a male trapped in a female body or a female trapped in a male body. And, they have other a crisis, crisis of power, crisis of of finding satisfaction in their marriage and who they're who they're married with, and with and their children and their jobs, um, what God has provided for them, and people have this identity crisis where they they sh- they try uh, to seek satisfaction and identity through overworking or for pleasure, like an Epicurean, uh, or or or. Fanaticism and some other type of form. I mean, people are dealing with identity crisis, and the only way you're going to find your true identity is to acknowledge your creator and live according to his word and serve him and worship him. So that, that's an important point you have to make here. Uh, so philosophically, there are only two sexes. There's no such thing... As a male trapped in a female body. There's no such thing as a female trapped in a male body. It's coming to terms with who God created, that God created you, either a male or he created you a female, and to live as a male and female according to his word. So it's interesting enough for males, God calls males to, to die to themselves and to serve others. Females are, are called to... To 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 submit uh, to um, their husbands, submit to their fathers, and to um, to serve and to help. I mean, God created females to be helpers. Uh, they're equal and they're equal in, in 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 essence with males. But God created women to be motherly, to be caring, to be compassionate, to be loving, um, to be servants. Um, to their family and to be carers. a lot of the women that have been instrumental in my life are such are such caring and wanting to just care and, and provide uh, encouragement and love uh, to me and to others in my family. For males, it's that 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 kind of risk taking, that initiative, that 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 leadership trait, um, the desire to um, to really to to lay their life down for the sake of their family. Ah, uh, to do the dirty job, to do the the job that no one else wants to do, uh, for the sake of others, uh, to literally die to themselves for the sake of other people, um, and and we see this with Christ. I mean, Christ, the great example of of leadership and and servant leadership, who laid his life down for his people. He is a true and better ruler because he did that, and we see these traits. And so, for if you are a male, you're a female, is to identify. Um, how you can live out your your gender and your sex to the glory of God and for His, for His glory and for His sake. And that is the path to hope, uh, um, hopefulness and joy and being uh, healed of your gender dysphoria and your, your mental anguish is to look to God, uh, your Creator and Lord, and live according to His word. And so I want to just encourage you. One of the last things I want to just kind of state here as we continue to talk, um, is, is the, really the, uh, the, the conflict between study and, and sci- scientific data and reason and politics. Um, you know, when I was, you know, I was a political science major when I was, you know, studying politics and it, 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 to me, it had more to do with how do we create policies, um, to, um, to build a healthy and strong society, right? Where minors and the, uh, the unfortunate are protected and cared for. Um, but that as a society, we are, we have, um, um, we have, uh, structures in place where we can live and we can, we can work. Um, and so that people are protected from violence, um, and uh, taxes are raised so that roads can be built and schools can be built, and other projects can be built for the sake of bettering, bettering the society again, so that we can you know work and live and do our, do what we need to do so that buying and selling can happen freely and, and not people won't be taking advantage of one another. that trade can happen between other nations, um, that uh, uh, governments can deal with their differences in a peaceful way. Um these are all just kind of examples of what politics I thought was was it supposed to be but now it's developed into something I can't even I really don't even understand. Um it's become into, becoming into a um, um more of a and of an identity and that identity uh, is built off these different factors and and if, you're, if you disagree with a policy that you believe is actually harmful to children and teens and to others, you, uh, and you see, oh, this is harmful, and especially to minors, we need to make sure we protect them um, from their own, you know, ignorance. Because, again, they're developing as children and as teens. And we've ceased to do that anymore because we have to stay true— to the identity orthodoxy Which is Regardless of what you believe You have the right To that belief And if I disagree with it Then I am Cut off That I am a bigot That I am and I am either you know, homophobic Or transphobic um, All these phobics uh, Terms Um, and I am cut off from debate to a a point where Joe Biden, the president, says, if you agree to the, the view that I have, then I am downright sinful. Sinful is the term he used. I just don't understand how we can have legitimate political discussions even at the highest level, like in the White House, in Congress, when we talk about issues like this, which there is scientific data backing it up that these procedures, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, that are now being that are being recommended to children and teens, my disagreement with those things, those treatments are scenes I'm seen as sinful I'm seen as transphobic the president of the United States is calling us that and how could you how can you even have proper political debate how can you pro, how can you properly pass policies that help society I'm gonna use terminology like that We need to get to a point where logic and reason and scientific research and study takes priority above political views. And it's interesting for a Republican and a Christian to make that point. So I think we're getting it wrong in the United States. We are pressing and pushing and pushing and pushing children and teens to move towards gender-affirming care, Without even taking the time to talk, having conversations, getting advice from adults, getting the 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 warnings, how this is, is going to impact their lives, and telling them that this isn't going to solve their problem, their identity crisis that they're experiencing, this isn't going to say is, is this it actually create more potential consor- uh, issues mentally. We want people to have freedom. We want people to have joy, but that only comes through Christ. It only comes through an identity that is rooted in God, their creator and Lord. Um, And I think that's, you know, again, where the church needs to come in that, uh, you know, we we need to stand and and, and proclaim that uh, transgenderism is a sin. It's it's rejecting the sex by which God gave you. But I think the church needs to be prepared. they are going to be, as I've already mentioned, 30% are detransitioning. And I think that number is going to continue to go up where people have been pushed into this process and they're going to regret the life-changing impact that it will have. Most of them won't be able to have children. And we need to be ready to embrace them, love them, and minister to them and shepherd them. Because once they de-transition, guess what? They're going to be labeled as a transphobic as well. This the, the culture that they embrace will quickly reject them as well. And it is our responsibility as the church, as Christians, to love them as Christ would love them, you know that story where you know Christ fed the four thousand, and he saw them, and he had compassion on them because they didn't have a shepherd. They lacked a shepherd. They lack a shepherd, and they will need to be shepherded. So the church needs to be prepared to minister to them, and uh, that's something that I want to challenge uh, churches to do and be prepared to do that, and maybe even get prepared to minister to them when they do transition and they. Um, desperately need uh, help and they desperately need the gospel. Because again, the identity crisis will not be healed by gender affirming care. It will only be healed by acknowledging God as their creator and Lord and and following His word and living according to His word. So this has been uh, a Pastors' Newspaper. I'm looking forward to just more episodes coming up uh, in the coming weeks. I hope to have another episode out this week as well. Keep reading the news with the Bible in your hand. Have a good day.